we have this week the opportunity to give away not one, not two, but three of the White Sox shaker bottles. I have three of them in reserve. We're looking to give them away for free to our listeners. All you need to do to win is to use the hashtag BeTheVillain. Set up a tweet. Tweet at at RealCoachRusty and at MatthewIce03. And tell us something that you loved about the episode and use the hashtag BeTheVillain. We'll message you privately, get your information, and we'll get sent over to you one of the shaker bottles. First three people win it. Look forward to hearing your tweets and look forward to connecting with you. Welcome to the Misplay Sox podcast. In this series, Nate and Matt, two White Sox loving brothers, give their opinions, thoughts, and break down the week that was and the week that will be in White Sox baseball. Here are your hosts, Nate and Matt. Welcome to episode 13 of Misplaced Socks. We're just a couple of guys talking about our favorite sport and our favorite team. My name's Nate, he's Matt. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at RealCoachRusty and he's at MatthewIce03. This week, the Sox took on the Blue Jays and then traveled to Detroit to uh, bust out some brooms and clean up that field. That being said, we'll start things out with the series recaps. I'll get us started with the Blue Jays series. On June 8th, the White Sox started the series against the Blue Jays. Rodon goes out, and he looks a little shaky early. He manages to gut out five innings pitched, six hits, and eight Ks. And he gives up just the single earned run. This was a game where if you watched it, you looked at it, and you understood how gritty and how hard Rodon had to work to get through that game. And if you just look at a box score later, you go, oh, that wasn't that great. It was one hell of a pitched game by Rodon. So the stats look okay, but he did even better on top of that to end up with the line that he did. So... I, again, Rodon pitching fantastic this year and doing a great job with just making sure that he gives his team every opportunity to come out of there with a win. And he kept the Blue Jays to a single run, which is everything the Sox needed. They're quiet. The Sox offense stays quiet until the 7th. They didn't look like they were putting together much. Robbie Ray was keeping them down, which is saying something considering Robbie Ray is a lefty as well as the fact that he is somebody that is prone to give up a home run. Now, in a normal year, like last... I say normal year like last year. That's an oxymoron. But in a normal year, the Sox would have been taking him deep two, three different times. Robbie Ray, number one, is a little bit different pitcher this year, and number two uh, is, you know... A lefty, which is not going to mean all that much now that we are into the throng of things. So he keeps the offense down. Andrew Vaughn manages to come up with a dinger in the seventh to tie things up. And they come alive in the eighth. 
for another five runs. And after Rodon goes out, Ruiz comes out, throws an inning. Marshall then comes out the next inning, throws an inning. Crochet actually ends up getting the win after throwing an inning. And then Hendricks comes in and shuts it all down. The offense led by T.A. and Leori Garcia for as much as we beat on him. Like you said at the end of last week's episode, our praise has to be just as loud. He led the offense, helped T.A. lead the offense, going two for four for the day. So it's one of those, we're going to be seeing a lot of Leori, so we're going to need to see a lot more two for four. Yeah, especially now with Adrigal out, we're going to see plenty of him. Right. So Vaughn and Leori also help lead the way. They both come up with a couple of RBIs. The Sox walk away with the win 6-1. to one. The next day, June 9th, is a memorable day for a number of different reasons. I uh, would use the phrase, one life must take another, I suppose. So that game, the Sox lose 2-6. to six. Lance Linde, Lance goes out, throws seven innings pitched. One earned run, four hits, nine Ks. He gives them the Lance Lynn special. He comes out, there's one earned run, he gives up only four hits, racks up a bunch of Ks, he eats up seven innings. Like, I'm okay with dubbing this. Like, this line is the Lance Lynn special if I'm considering it anything. (laughs) Uh, The only blemish was a leadoff home run in the second to Randall Gritchick. Bummer comes in after Lance Lynn goes out. So Bummer starts off the eighth. He only gets one out. He goes a third of an inning. And again, this is one of those weird ones where if you just look at the box score and the numbers, you look at it and you go, wow, Bummer looked awful. But the reality is, Bummer didn't look that bad. I thought Bummer pitched okay. The problem was... He gave up some weird contact, like there was a dribbler that went up the third base line and a couple of odd hits that managed to find their way. The defense really let Bummer down. And it it, it was one of those, he did his job, the defense did not do its job. And so he kind of got hung out to dry a little bit. The defense actually ends up with one, two, three, four different errors. So it's one of those games where, like we've said early in the season, because this Sox offense does not have the boom in it that it typically does, we can't afford we, we can't afford two errors, let alone afford four. So after Bummer goes out, We have Hoyer coming in, getting the last couple of outs for that inning. And then Foster comes in to finish things off. It's kind of a mirror of the eighth where both offenses kind of held quiet by the starters. Things go along. Alec Manoa keeps the Sox offense in check. And then one of the offenses explodes. On the eighth, it was the Sox. Unfortunately, in the ninth, or on the ninth, it was the Blue Jays. The Sox only managed four hits overall against Alec Manoa. This was when we talked previously, the day, the week before, on episode 12. This was a game that I was a little shaky on, simply because Alec Manoa has a pretty good slider. And the Sox have a propensity to be a little shaky against guys that have good sliders. Now, 
that's, again, kind of a league-wide thing, but because we're focused on the Sox, I think it is a fair criticism to say they have a hard time not chasing. And so Alec Manoa was going to be one of those games that, and one of those pitchers that gave him fits. And kind of like the soul stone in the Marvel Universe, you have to give a life to gain a life. My son, Nolan, was born on the 9th. Unfortunately, rest in peace, Nick Madrigal. You now are sent to the injury list heaven. Uh, Madrigal goes out, running to first, trying to leg out uh, a ground ball, and misses first base entirely as he's running. And as he's doing that, he ends up with a pretty significant tear in his hamstring. And so Madrigal right now might, maybe, possibly, potentially be back in that late August, September neighborhood if he's back at all. Um, Last I had heard, last I had read, surgery still on the table. Obviously, everybody wants to avoid surgery when possible, but it's it'll be interesting to see if that route can be avoided. So, Madrigal down, Nolan up. I I have to say, I I take that trade every time simply because I love Nolan. He's great. Then we come back <laughs> I mean... out on the tenth. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fair trade, right? So, the Sox come back out on the 10th. Keuchel versus Ryu. And this this was, in episode 12, the game that I highlighted as, okay, this might be the game that we have a problem. Ryu is crafty. He's a little bit of a thummer. And for the most part, the Sox handled it exactly how they should have. This is exactly the way that I would have hoped they would have handled this game. Uh, Keiko goes out, six innings pitch, two earned runs, six hits, eight Ks. He, he gives us six innings pitched, which is good. I Once we got into that fifth inning and into that sixth inning, we were coming up on that third time through the rotation, and I started to float around the idea of, do you manage him slightly differently? Do you start to look at... Okay, the third time through the rotations coming up, and maybe we look at pulling him. Tony Larusa left him out there. He managed to navigate it. It's st- it got a little hairy there in the sixth, but he managed through it. Only two earned runs, which is for Keuchel. That, that's what we need out of him. We don't need him to hold other teams scoreless. We don't need him to rack up 14 Ks. We need him to give us just a few earned runs. Anywhere between two and four, I think, is a fair assessment for Keuchel. And 8Ks is a pleasant surprise. I mean, Keuchel's not a... Used to be a strikeout pitcher. He's not a strikeout pitcher now. He's always been a ground ball pitcher, but earlier in his career, he was better at avoiding bats. He does not pitch to avoid bats now, and so 8Ks is actually pretty good. Marshall, Hoyer, and Hendricks all throw a full inning to finish the game. None of them give up any additional runs. The bullpen this time again is nails. So the June 9th game, a little bit of an aberration in the 
bullpen not being completely able to nail it down. Again, four errors. It's not going to be on them. I don't put that loss on them. So, unfortunately, one of them gets the loss, but I don't put it on them. And so, the bullpen comes out on the 10th, is nails. Yermin and Jose lead the offense, going two for four. Good to see Yermin leading the offense again. Grandall gets a couple RBIs with the uh, sweet bat drop home run. And then Jose gets another couple RBI as well. So the Sox managed to take two of three from the Jays. A pretty good offensive team. Their pitching and their defense has been good enough to keep them in the hunt. Good enough to keep them in the discussion for the AL East. And so walking away with two out of three from them. And that heads into the Detroit series where Matt's going to take over. Yeah, they, uh, just a quick comment on that Blue Jays series. They are, or at least at the time, were one of the leading home run hitting teams in all of the MLB. So to not just go in there and, and contribute to their mashing of baseballs is a pretty, pretty good thing to see out of this Sox pitching um, that has been good so up to this point so um two out of three is great i think especially at this point in the season what's better and, than two out of three? yeah go ahead yeah to to kind of tack onto that too is you have one of the leading home run teams you only gave up one home run and yeah. the only home run you gave up was a solo shot to randall gritchick in the lance lynn game so to not go out there and give up a bunch of dingers, but then to really just you give up the one, and that's not the one that hurt you because it came in the game where the defense fell apart. That's not the reason they lost that game is that solo shot. And it's and it's against a guy like Lance Lynn. I, I'd say probably the two guys on this squad on the rotation that could give up a home run and really not let it shake them are Keuchel and Lynn. Two veterans that sometimes they give up a solo home run. Sometimes they gamble on a fastball that they think they can overpower a guy or out out guess him, um, and it doesn't work out in their favor. But it doesn't let it doesn't get in their head like it might for Cease or even Giolito this year. So there's there's a lot to be said about not giving up hard contact. I think there's more to be said about giving it up and then being able to shake it off. So right, but. What's better than two out of three? That'd be a that'd be a full on sweep and getting three out of three against the Tigers. So the uh, the next day, the eleventh, Sox go in. We've got Giolito versus Scooball, and and um, Giolito goes six innings, gives up two hits. I believe he only gives up one earned. My internet is slow on me today, so. Um, I apologize for not getting all of my statistics correct here. But anyways, the the Sox get that one. Uh, it's a win. Five to four. It That that game goes into extra innings. Um, notably, towards the end, it was kind of that downpour at the end, and, and Hendricks was coming in to try to close it down. He, everybody wants to call it a tantrum. It was kind of tantrum-esque. But... He just couldn't get a, even get a handle on this ball. We're going to have to delay it. And it got delayed late into the night. Came back in. 
Hendricks still wanted to go, and he gave up a, a two-run shot that actually tied it up. And I think his comment afterwards, and he's a he's a fiery dude, uh, but his comment afterwards to some reporters were that that was his first blown save of a multiple run amount in his career. So um, he wasn't worried about it. He called it an aberration, and <clears throat> I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. It's quite the awkward circumstance. What's important is the Sox came in, used that extra inning rule to their advantage, got the sack fly, got the 5-4 win, and moved on. So the next day, the 12th, it was Cease versus Urania. And, uh, as much as the pitching in this series was really the dominant factor, Brian Goodwin uh, decided that June 12th, his debut for the Sox, was going to be just as dominant. He came in, had a three-run shot, scored a couple runs himself, ended with five RBIs, a third of the Sox offense that day, plus, well, more than a third, with the, the runs that he scored as well. So, uh Cease gets seven Ks, I believe, goes deep into the game, uh, has his good stuff. Tigers only only get two runs. That we, uh, the Sox win that one, fifteen to two. Again, not much to say except let's uh, let's keep adding some journeymen when we need them and getting these kind of off balance wins that we've been getting. Then the final uh, final game of the series, June thirteenth. This one. Um, I guess there's just not much more to say except for the Sox continue to beat these teams in the AL Central that just are not up to the standard of that the Sox are holding these teams to. So Rodon goes in there and tries to get his second no-hitter of the year, takes it into the seventh, loses it on a who else but Eric Haas double, which there was a lot of chatter on Twitter about um, and maybe elsewhere, but I, I was following the the Twitter at the time about how there were a couple sliders in that at bat that I believe the umpire either missed the call or uh, they just barely caught the zone so they were questionable calls and that could have been avoided and who knows what happens past that ultimately it doesn't matter. That run does get pushed across there in the, in the seventh, uh, sixth inning. Yeah, sixth inning. And Rodon comes out the next inning. Only that one earned. Um, he really has every bit of his good stuff. Those two two variations of the slider that he throws, and um, Tigers pitching doesn't doesn't really compete. I think Funkhauser only went two and two thirds, and then they kind of pieced it together from there. But Stocks offense is pretty quiet. Um, no home runs hit in that game by the Sox, and they win that one four to one. So, a lot of good things, uh, but I think mostly it's just a, a Tigers team that, if we drop more than one or two more games to the, to them in the rest of the season, I'll be very very surprised. Yeah, and I mean. You talked about we keep beating these teams in the AL Central that are not, they're they're not the cream of the crop, and I think that that's that's something that people are going to knock on the Sox for, is being a beater of bad teams. The phrase that I go back to is you can only play the teams that are on your schedule, 
So it's not like the Sox are going, yeah, we're just going to go play these guys because they're the FCS team of this super small conference and we'll just get an easy win. They, the Sox don't get to decide that. They just get to play the teams they play. So, yes, are they beating bad teams? Yes. Are they beating the teams they should beat? Also, yes, which is important. And the part that's, I would, not double important. Maybe it's not quite that heavy. But it is also important that, yes, we beat the Orioles. We swept the Orioles. They're not a great team. They're okay some of the time, but they're a team we should beat. It's important that we win these games against teams like the Tigers because they are division opponents. When it comes down to the end of the year, we keep talking about the Indians are going to hang around. They pitch so well, they can't not hang around. Having a better divisional record might come into play. It just might matter. So... We'll see kind of how that shakes out, and it, again, this is another another game. This last game on the 13th is another example of beating teams where we don't put up home runs and we just have to put together enough offense that we can use that pitching and lean on it. So it, it to me, it feels like, yes, we're a beater of bad teams, but we're doing it in a way such that once we get that pop back, we're going to beat any team. I don't care who it is. So, and, and I think that's important. So the Sox finish the week, lose only the one game, go 5-1 and one across the week. They had Monday off and sole possession of first place. At that time, it was five and a half games. And I guess from here... I just want to kind of bounce a few questions off of you, Matt. So okay. my first question that I want to bounce bounce off of you, oh, I'll hit you, don't worry. When we get to the All-Star break, the Sox will be X number of games in first place in the <laughs> AL Central. If, if you think they're still in first, how big do you think the lead is? I think it stays pretty close to where it's at now. I think that getting away from the central, things are going to start to get closer. I think they'll still be above 500 th- uh, through the rest of their games to the all-star break, but I don't think they're going to be taking six out of seven games consistently. We're on we're on kind of that West Coast tour that we were talking about too, um, going to see Houston, a pretty good ball club. Um, going to see the A's, a pretty good ball club. Um, I think that the Sox are still more than one of, if not the top team in the AL, but th- that that lead is going to stop growing against uh, against teams like Cleveland that it is just going to hang around no matter what. So right around four, somewhere between four and a half to six and a half game lead is kind of where I'm thinking we'll be. Okay. Just taking a look at the the schedule between now and the All-Star break, and we hadn't looked at this before. We're working on the Tampa series right now. They play Tampa again tonight at 7. Uh, we travel to Houston for 4. 
We actually go to Pittsburgh then after that for a two-game set against the Pirates. So that's another couple of games that they're a team we should beat. And then, they're sneaky. They're they really are. They're, they're like we want to believe the Pirates are bad because they have been for so long. But like they have a couple of guys that and the Sox are as subject to this as any team that can let a single guy beat them. You know, and they have a couple of those guys that you never know they could go come in and hit three home runs in a game on accident and win take one of those two games or both of them. So, we'll see. Did you get a text from your nephew? No, not yet. Oh. Okay. Cuz he <laughs> He wasn't hopping mad, but he was a little upset that we shit on the Pirates a little bit last episode. <laughs> He, uh, no, he was a little disappointed in us that we shit on the pirates so hard. So he'll he'll like hearing that we have a little bit of praise for them. You're welcome. You're welcome, bud. <laughs> he texted me and he was like, "I can't believe that you guys are down on the pirates so hard. They got Frazier, and I don't even Reynolds. remember who's on the pirates." So Brian Reynolds. Yep. He's he's their kind of breakout outfielder. I I only know that because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> so it's but I think if we look at the scheme of things, that's two games we should win, and it's one of those we get a couple of off days around that series. So we get four in Houston. We have no off days until the 21st. We have the 21st off. We play in Pittsburgh for two. We get the 24th off. And then they actually get the Mariners at home for three. So I was mistaken earlier. I thought we traveled to Oakland uh, Uh. on this trip. We don't. And then after that, I, again, I thought we didn't play the Twins until way later. We actually get the Twins to close out June at home. Okay. So uh, July 1st is the close-up of the Twins series, and then we get the Tigers, the Twins again, and we close out the first half of the season by playing in Baltimore against the Orioles. So we have the Orioles the Twins, the Tigers, the Mariners, and the Pirates. Does that change your opinion of what our lead should be at that point? No, because I think each of those teams, like, the Twins are bad, but the Twins are still a division rival that we've struggled and battled with the last couple of years, so I'm not, I don't want to take anything for granted with them. The Mariners... The Mariners are not good, but they—I don't even—I don't even want to say they scare me because they don't. All of these teams, I just don't want to overestimate. Maybe it's just my my own fear or um, disdain for trying to take for granted going up against a major league ball club. These are still professional baseball players, so. But at some point, you just got to believe your team's better than the others. So. Maybe it might increase the lead by a couple of games, but I don't think it's we're going to blow it up to ten games over the Indians or anything because of who we're playing. 
Like we could that we could very well go in there and lose all four games to the Astros. I don't think we will, but the Astros are not going to roll over, especially us going there. So they that they have yeah. some pretty good pitching. Yeah, and they've still got like Correa still. Carlos Correa and Bregman still has, although I think some of the shine has come off of him. He's he's still Alex Bregman, so they've still got some household names that are previous All Stars, and their pitching is still top notch. So you never know what could happen there. I think that that could be a real derailer of increasing the division lead for sure. So in the meantime. We have those teams that we're playing against. The Cleveland Indians are playing the Orioles right now. They actually get the Pirates after that. So we're we're in this weird spot right now where we have a four-and-a-half game lead. They're playing the Orioles, which is a team that, while it's a team that the White Sox should beat, I think it remains a team that the Indians could beat. I don't think the Indians are so far and better than the Orioles that you look at that and you go, yeah, they should beat them. That should be a sweep. I think they could. They have the potential. They pitch very well. The Orioles' offense is middling. It's coming around a little bit. But then they get Pittsburgh while we are playing the Astros. So that is, I could see a situation where the lead tightens up at that point, gets within to one game you know but then they get the cubs who <sighs> very feast or famine a team like the indians that pitches very well could make the cubs look a little silly but the cubs offense is starting to come together and they're starting to see on one night it's one guy on the next night it's another but they're seeing consistently at least one guy putting it together yeah, for for as much as we have a distaste for the crosstown rival, um, Cubs are playing good baseball right now. So they could they could go in there and just kind of laugh at Cleveland and beat every beat them in every single game. Or Cleveland Shane Bieber has the potential. I don't know if he gets a gets a start in that series or not, but. A guy like Bieber or Savale or um, uh, who's their other their third guy? I can't remember what his name is. Uh, they also have McKenzie's in that rotation and oh, yeah. Plesak's in that rotation. Plesak is who I was thinking of. All of those guys can go out there and and hold a team scoreless on any given day. So even a team like the Cubs that are, are, are hot. So I don't know. You're right. It it could go either way. It's a, it's a could not should for sure. That being said, the Cubs will not see Shane Bieber at all. He actually went on the IL yesterday with a shoulder. Oh, I missed it. So that's, I saw the notification on it um, from the MLB app and I went, okay, that's not good. So, um, yeah, again, another one of those, the Indians could win one or two of those games, but now you've got Bieber's on the shelf a little bit. So that's another feather, I would say, in the White Sox cap. 
The other thing that happens in there that could be in the White Sox favor could also go against them. We have an extra off day compared to the Indians in that time frame. They have the 23rd off where we have the 21st and the 24th off. So another one of those, it would be great if the Cubs could do their fucking job and take care of an AL Central opponent for us, especially the Indians. We did our job when we played the Cardinals. It'd be great if the Cubs could do theirs. Instead of being swept, they could, uh, you know, add in a sweep to kind of help us out. And yeah, then, a little reciprocation would be nice. Would yeah, be really nice. Do your job, Northsiders. The, <laughs> the Indians after that, they get the Twins, then they get the Tigers... Then they get the Oriole, or they get the Astros, excuse me, they get the Astros after that, and then they get the Rays. They round out the first half of the season by playing the Royals. So, for as much ground as we could potentially lose by playing the Rays and the Astros, we might actually see that then get made up by the fact that the Indians are playing the Astros and then the Rays. So... You're saying the lead is going to be a – we're going to shake out at about 500 across this think, next couple few weeks. Yeah, I think it'll be slightly above that. But I I just don't think it's going to balloon to a 10-game lead or anything like that. I don't think – I don't think that we're going to get so hot and Cleveland's going to get so cold that it's going to be insurmountable at the half halfway point. If I had to guess – I'm going to guess we're going to sit in the neighborhood of a six to seven game lead. I think that the Sox are, the offense is the only thing that worries me right now is being able to score runs against these little bit better teams that pitch pretty well. That's we're playing the Rays right now. And that's a problem when the Rays pitch as well as they do. We saw that yesterday. We'll talk about it next week. We have the Astros pitch pretty well. Their bullpen's a little bit more gettable than the Rays is, but hopefully we don't need it. So there is a potential, but the White Sox pitching is incredibly strong right now, and I think that that has to count for something. And so in my mind, when we play bad teams, like we get the Mariners, we get the Pirates, we get the Twins... And then we're also going to end up with the Tigers and the Twins again. And then we round it out with the Orioles. I don't think it's that crazy to think we're going to have in the neighborhood of a six to seven game lead. That's not that much further, not that much more ground than what we have right now. So it's not completely out of line with what you're saying. But I think we're going to be... I wouldn't even be surprised if it's an eight-game lead. I think that's less likely, but I wouldn't be surprised. Looking at the schedule that we have, looking at the schedule that Cleveland has, and given the fact that even though our offense is not great, our offense is okay, it's still better than Cleveland's offense. So I, I could see that being the case. So my next I think question. the important part here is yeah. one last thing. One last thing on that. The important part, I think, is what Cleveland's schedule is, not what the Sox schedule is. Because I think that 
with the Sox offense struggling a little bit more, the pitching is going to continue to be what it is, and that's going to keep them winning games on a consistent basis. Because people get hot and cold. Pitchers don't get hot and cold quite as, as much as bats do. But Cleveland has not had any hot streak, really, batting this year. So um, it's more important who they face and the caliber of teams they face than who the Sox face, in my opinion. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that that, that has to matter in terms of they're playing teams that are pretty good. And so that's that's where beating the teams that we should beat and beating these bad teams has to be important. It has to matter. Because I don't care if they're good or bad or otherwise, when the Indians are playing good teams, we have to win games. I don't care if it's against the Yankees. I don't care if it's against the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't care if it's against the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Seattle Mariners. When the <coughs> Indians are playing teams that they can't beat, teams that are significantly better than they are, that's when we have to win games. Not should, not want to, we have to. Yep, got to get so, it done. Got to get so what's it your done. other? My next question, if I asked you, who is the White Sox MVP right now? We're not quite to the all-star break, but let's pretend we're looking at it right now. Who's the White Sox MVP? It's a pitcher. And I want you to guess who I think it is before I tell you. Well, given that it's a pitcher, that was going to be something that I was going to ask you about. Uh, given that <laughs> it's a pitcher, I'm going to guess that you're going to say Lance Lynn. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you're right. I was still a little on the fence, but I wanted to see what you thought. It's as great as Rodon has been and as gritty as he has been when he's not great. Lance Lynn just kind of brings a whole different, I mean, he, he pitches to back up his mentality and he just is giving this team, I think an identity that they lacked. I mean, for the last 10 years, but even last year going into that series against the, the wildcard series against the A's, uh, he not only he not only pitches at a dominant um, in a dominant fashion, but he gets everybody else up every time he comes in to start. He makes. I mean, I I'd be curious to go look and see the number of errors behind him compared to the number of errors behind everybody else. Now, I don't think this team only plays hard for some people, but I think some guys make you want to play hard for them. And it was evident last night. Um, again, we'll talk more about last night's game next week, but definitely last night with that uh, Danny Mendick filling in a second base, coming across, sprinting, and turning to to try to keep that game close. And Lance Lynn just hyping that kid up. You know, hype. It's a it's a play that maybe Madrigal couldn't have made. Um, so it might have been a little bit more fortunate there that Mendick was in, but. Lance Lynn has been everything that I didn't even know he he would be for this team. So stats are close between him and Rodon. I think Lance Lynn's your MVP so far. Well, I think then I'm obligated to take the argument it can't be a pitcher, right? That That's how this works? Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to pick somebody else. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't disagree with your assessment that the most valuable player to this team is Lance Lynn. We talked last week about the fact that he's the anchor on this team right now. You're right. He is in a clubhouse where Tony came in and said, it's not my job to police you guys. It's not my job to be your guys' leader necessarily. And he came in and he gathered up a group of these guys and said, I'm putting you guys in charge of leading this clubhouse. I'm putting you guys in charge of leading this team. For somebody like Lance Lynn, who is, A, he's a veteran. B, he he fits the mentality of what I want this team to be. I think he, <laughs> in fact, is the most valuable player on this team. I don't think that's an exaggeration. So, uh if I had to pick somebody else, I started looking around, and this one's hard for me. I think it's kind of a coin toss looking at it between Jose and Yuan. Uh-huh. And it, it's, it pains me because I really like TA. I really want it to be TA. But when I look at the numbers, TA is, hel- is playing a supporting role right now. TA is getting things done at times where guys aren't necessarily getting things done, but he's not hes not leading the way, A, in the way that he is used to, and B, that this team is used to. But I, I think it's a toss-up between Jose and Yuan, and I think I have to give it to Jose. And the reason that I say that is Jose is one of the leaders in the league at 49 RBI right now, which that tells me when the Sox need runs and particularly in a time where the runs don't come via home run, that is a matter of he is getting the job done. We've talked in previous episodes about the fact that he is 100% pressing. He is 100% trying to continue to put this team further on his back. And for all of the struggles that we see him have, he's second on the team in strikeouts. He's got 62. He's going after a lot of pitches that he wouldn't normally go after, and he's not catching up to fastballs inside like he punished last year. He continues to help carry the team. He leads the team in home runs. He is tied for second on the team in doubles. He leads, obviously, in RBI. So to look at it and go, this should be somebody other than him. If you're not going the Lance Lynn route, you could go the Yuan route. Yuan has a better OPS. He's walked more. He's struck out less. He has mm, about a uh, close to 20 less RBI. But his doubles, he leads the team in doubles at 13. He's only got one more than Yuan. And, I mean, than Jose. But he's only got five home runs versus Jose's 11. So 
I have to give the nod to Jose. I would bet that he. I would bet that he has scored a significant more amount of runs just because of where he hits in the order ahead of Jose. Jose's driving him in, so that OPS I think comes it comes in play there. You would think that they both have scored thirty-one runs. Really? Then I then yeah. for me, I guess it's not it's not nearly as close. They both are in the neighborhood in hits. Jose has 58. Yoan has 61. So Jose has a triple to his name. Yoan doesn't have that. I don't know how Jose (laughs) got a triple, but he's got it. I remember that. That was wild. (laughs) So it's, yeah, when you start looking at it, it, they're pretty even. I would consider them probably like 2A, 2B, because I would consider Lance Lynn the number one guy in a White Sox MVP discussion. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the coin toss goes to Jose at that point. That's who I would call. But I think you're 100% right. I think Lance Lynn, if we took Lance Lynn off of this team, let's say we live in a world where we take Lance Lynn off of this team and we insert Dane Dunning. This team, A, is in a much different position than they're in right now, I think. And B, the mentality, given all the other injuries, given everything else that's happened, the mentality of this team is significantly different as well. And Lance Lynn is my kind of guy and I believe it was a Twitter discussion with Nick and Pat in terms of what this team needs to embrace which is being effectively <laughs> the oh. is it the 90s or the 80s pistons where they are the bad guys they should yeah. embrace being the villain and I think Lance Lynn thrives on being the villain he came off the mound after striking out somebody last night i think it was it was zanino strikes out zanino to end the inning and he is just roaring a big old fuck you you motherfucker and he is the guy he stone described him as the bulldog on the mound and i think that a number one that's apt but he is the guy that is taking this team and going, this is our role this year. We are the villains. Our job is to come out here, play like a bunch of badass MFers, and we're going to give everybody all they can handle night in and night out. And that is the, I don't know if you call it the X factor. I don't know if you call it the intangible factor Whatever you want to describe it as, to me, that is the thing that makes him the MVP. Well, it's a it's a complete culture shift. The culture of this team has been make baseball fun again, and TA started that. And now it's, okay, we're having fun, and we're going to go out there, and we're not going to have any... Um, we're not going to care at all about how people think we act, how th- people think we play the game, how people perceive us. And it kind of is developing into this. um, I guess 
I, I was thinking about this first before I finished that thought. If Lance is the bulldog, that would make um that would make Hendricks the the mini the mini bulldog or the maybe the Australian the, Shepherd. Is he the French bulldog? Yeah, he has to be, right? Coming in me? there and and just being a being a miniature v- version of Lance. And I think if those two aren't best friends, then I I don't understand this team. Maybe Lance is the American bulldog, and then Hendricks is like the old English bulldog. Yeah, I I can get on board with that for sure. I, I'm gonna have to photo- I'm gonna have to have to Photoshop their faces over the, some bulldogs at some point. We have to now. Uh huh. No, but I, I I agree. I think that some of what Lance is doing is absolutely incredibly supported by what Liam is also doing. I think that that's important to note. Yeah, it's and it's just um, I think it's a full. I, I, I think back to your comment about like what does this team look like with Dane Dunning? Well, they don't have this fu mentality, and they are in second place in the central. I think so. Um, it's a it's a significant intangible impact that he has had for sure. So my my last question, and we can start to wrap things up there. My last question for you is, at the end of the season, the Sox playoff seed will be what? I feel oh, this is, that's hard. Th- the, the three seed, maybe? Okay. Because I think that the, both the um, Rays and Blue Jays are going to be hard to beat out for that one and two spot. I don't think the Yankees are a threat. I don't think the Red Sox are as good as they looked, and I think they're showing that that they're not as good as they looked at the beginning of the season. Um, Houston's okay, but I think they're a, a bottom half of the playoff teams. Um, who am I missing here? Cleveland, I think, plays in a in a wild card game. Um, wait, no, they don't have. They're not doing the expanded wild card again this year, are they? They got rid no, of no. So this is a one through six situation. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, so I, if you I could think have... Houston's a bottom tier team, they're either a wild card in your mind, which I kind of find hard to believe. I don't know who in the AL West is going to actually beat them outside of Oakland. Oakland has a shot. Oakland, I think, kind of always has a shot. So, so technically, at a three. You're saying the White Sox are also, if they win the division, the lower half of that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, not on... one through six, one through five. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how these next two games against Tampa go. Um, if they can take the next two games... I think they have every shot at being the two or even the one seed. But Tampa and Toronto. Toronto is going to regress, I think, a little bit. So can I say the two and a half seed? Can I split Can I split the split the difference there? No, no. This isn't an over-under situation. All right, fine. I, I say the three seed then. I, I still think that 
Um, a couple of those teams are going to be able to outpace them just because of the injuries catching up in a long, long season. Socks. Okay. Three so, seed, finally. Three seed. As it stands right now, the Sox technically are the two seed. They are behind Tampa Bay by a game and a half. They're ahead of Oakland by a full game. So you have Tampa Bay leads the AL East. The Sox lead the Central, obviously. The A's lead the AL West. Boston and Houston are actually your two wild card teams right now. And Cleveland's only a game back of Houston for that. So that's... That's a possibility. You still have teams like Toronto and the Yankees that are hanging around out there. Uh, within five games, the Angels also are they're within a shot. <laughs> for, yeah, as, we'll see. for as up and down as I feel like the Angels are, they're within punching distance. So you're thinking the Sox end up at a three seed. So you're assuming who wins the East then? Um, Tampa Bay wins the East. Okay. No problem. Zero issues, because I I think the Yankees are bad. I don't even think they're a good team. I don't think their pitching's good, and I think their injuries are too... Their their sluggers are too often injured for me to feel like they're a threat. I, I don't disagree with that. Okay. So then the AL West is won by whom? The A's. Okay. I think the A's are just the best overall team. I think Houston has a chance to get hot in the stretch, but I think the A's are going to outlast them. I I think the A's have the better pitching staff, number one, one through five in their starters. I think if we lined up their one through fives, I think the edge would go to the A's, but I think Oakland's bullpen is a little better too. Houston's bullpen can be okay at times, but I think they still have some some gaps. And I don't think it's a dusty pulling the right strings at the right time thing. I think it's just a matter of you can't overthrow some guys, and so at some point you're left with the guys you're left with. It's going to so. be really important for the A's to stay healthy. I, they're another one that if they can keep the, some of the stars on their team healthy, throughout the remainder of the, well, I guess into the second half even, uh, and, and maybe build up a significant lead, they'll be, be able to outlast. It's going to be really important to manage some of the legs of those guys because they're, they're always a small market piece together team that if you can, if they can just avoid any cata- catastrophic, like any White Sox style injuries, I think they'll be okay. So you're saying the three seed for the Sox at the end of the year I I feel confident in saying they could be a two seed. And if You can't Luis say comes, confident and then say could be. I'm confident in saying they they will be the two seed. Alright, there you go. What I'm saying they could be is they could be the one seed. The the trick will be we have to keep it within striking distance, and you get Luis back at some point. You get Eloy back at some point. Given how this team is winning right now, I don't think that Luis has to come back and be the Luis Robert of old 
right away. I don't think Eloy has to come back and hit 20 home runs in a one-month span to have the effect that we need him to have. Right. If we're within striking distance, if we're within... Let's say they come back in the end of August, so we have the entirety of September to play, and we have Eloy back, and we have Luis back, and you tell me we are within four games of first first place in the league, the number one seed overall, I, I tell you, give me what the money line is for first place for the Sox, and I'm going to heavily consider putting it down on them taking the number one seed. So who's that? Who who are we fighting the top seed for? I think it has to be Tampa. Yeah. I think okay. the 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 scrum will be between Tampa and the Sox. The unfortunate part is we don't get a lot of opportunity to make up effectively double ground, if you will because we're not going to play Tampa that often. That's what makes this series kind of important that we're playing this week is because that gives us head-to-head advantage if we can win the series, and it gives us even further, because we were only a half game back yesterday, now we're a game and a half back. It gives us more opportunity to be in direct control of the outcome that we want. So looking at this series against Tampa... There, until we get to September and until we have a situation like we had last year with Cleveland playing the Indians in Cleveland, you can't look at it and go, this is must. <coughs> but this series against Tampa is probably as close to must win outside of the division as it gets simply because these are the people that we're vying against for this this number one seed how important is the number one seed i i think it's useful simply for the fact that we're going to get the wild card team at that point and it's going to be a matter of are we going to get the team that has then played the play-in game and then plays the the five game division series and maybe they go five full games or is it going to be the fact that we're going to get that other division winner and maybe that's a little bit better team than what we're going up against when we're talking about the wild card teams we're either looking at Boston or looking at Houston Boston's beatable we got them earlier and we'll find out about Houston. Really, at that point, does the one or two seed matter if the result is you're probably either going to get Houston or Boston or Houston and Cleveland or Boston and Cleveland? At that point, does seeding really matter? And maybe you rest, guys. If you have a comfortable enough lead in the second spot, maybe that's more about resting guys at that point. But... I yeah, think no. the I think the possibility is very real that they could be the one seed and have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which now that we're going back to 100% could matter. It could matter. I that was going to be my point. I think home field is huge. I I remember seeing recently a win-loss for the Sox at home versus away and I think the home one was significantly better. 
and for a team that really does feed off of uh, some some crowd energy and and teammate energy, um, just I mean, you can see it, especially the this pitching staff. Home field could be huge. Could be huge. So, looking ahead, we have this week's slate of games. The Sox had Lance Lynn versus Tyler Glasnow last night. Tonight, Dallas Keuchel up against Shane McClanahan. And then we have tomorrow is going to be a lineup of... To be determined by the Rays, still undefeated to be determined, against Lucas Giolito. So we'll round out the series with Lucas going against whoever it is Tampa Bay throws out there. And then we get to go to Houston. So if Lucas is throwing on Wednesday, we're probably going to see... I would say that that shakes out to be Dylan Cease Day on Thursday. Jose Urquidy is lined up to throw for the Astros at this point on Thursday. We get the Friday matchup. If we were already to be determined on Thursday's matchup, we're probably to be determined on Friday's. Yep, so we have Friday's matchups to be determined. The Sox will see Luis Garcia. That's probably the Lance Lynn game. No, no, excuse me. That's probably the Carlos Rodon game on Friday, which means we probably see Lance Lynn on Saturday. Do-do-do-do-do. And Houston Astros have theirs to be determined on Saturday as well. So, all things considered, we're going to see some pretty good games coming up. We saw a really good last week of White Sox baseball. Matt, do you have a closing thought at all? I just think that the as fans, we're getting better about not overreacting to a loss like last night. And I think that's great. I think that one loss doesn't define any team and I'm just hoping that people are starting to become a little more comfortable enjoying watching these kind of high profile games where you get a one versus a two in the AL and even, even if it is in June, um, the stakes may not be so high, but it's still great, great baseball. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Indeed. My closing thought, and I kind of, actually just started thinking about this in the last 30 seconds or so you what made me think of it is your comment to the point of not overreacting to a loss like last night i think part of the reason that we are so so averse to the losses is number one this team is supposed to have been good and they've been good. They haven't been exactly what they were billed to be in the preseason and in the offseason. Obviously, we know why that is, but we hold them to a higher standard, and that's why we want them to be good. That's why we're pissed off when they lose. I think the other thing that kind of goes alongside that is we have a little bit of recency bias in playing last year's 60-game season, and we're sitting here going, okay, we've seen a lot of games. At this point last year, these losses would be important. These would be the losses that would be defining last year's season. The good news is that doesn't matter. We still have 100 games to play. 
We've still got three months of baseball left to play. So for everybody that's panicking because we're losing a game here or there, that's okay. Across 162, that's going to happen. This isn't a sprint. This isn't last year's condensed schedule. And so that's okay. So my closing thought is very similar to yours in that it's okay for the Sox to take a game off. It's okay for the, the Sox to eat an L every once in a while simply because coming out there and playing with the change the game mentality, coming out there with the FU mentality in a 60-game season, kind of like what we saw with the Cubs where they came out and they were hooting and hollering and they were wound up, that works in a condensed schedule where everything's going to happen and you can bring that energy and it can be sustainable in a short window. We're not going to be able to bring that energy every time this year. It's just not possible. It's not feasible. Across 162, across five months of 100 degrees summer, it's just not going to be feasible. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. It's not. Right. It's not necessary. Not necessary at all. So... Are there inopportune times when TLR has rolled out the, yep, we're going to roll out the B squad today and see what happens? Yeah, when we're on a winning streak or we're we're in a really good stretch of we're winning 6 of 10, 7 of 10, and he throws that line about there, yes, there is inopportune. But if you don't do it then, when are you going to do it? Because if you keep winning like that, eventually you're probably going to beat yourself into a cold streak. So, yes. And the other thing is, what looks like a B-squad lineup right now kind of is our A-squad. That's just kind of the reality. And then our B-squad guys come out there and they go, you know what? Not only F you to the other team, you guys that are beating us up because you think we're the B-squad, F you too because we're the A-squad. <laughs> and we're going to show you. Brian Goodwin coming cool. out and going, here's a home run. Here's 100 RBIs. I'm going to score 50 times this game. All because everybody said, I can't do it. That's great to see. But also, don't get too hung up on, oh my god, this lineup. The lineup's going to be what the lineup is. We don't really have much option at this point. Until the Sox yeah. make a move. And hey, I'm not uh, going to worry about the make a moves thing. The three rostered guys, maybe you saw this graphic. Um, maybe you didn't. I'll give you... I'll give you one one guess at the three rostered guys with five or more RBIs in a game for the White Sox right now. Oh, I feel like I did see this. So we had Brian Goodwin, obviously. Yep. And then I feel like either Danny Mendick or Leary Garcia was on that list. M- Mendick was one. Danny was one. I was just going to say, I know it was one of those two. And then... God, I feel like you're going to tell me something off the wall like Yasmani. No, it's, it's this one's it's uh the only one you would actually guess is Jose. Yeah, that makes sense. Which again, in a time where the Sox have to play smaller, Danny Mendick, Brian Goodwin, Brian's probably got a little more pop than people would expect, I think. But the un, the year of the unsung hero. Journeyman. Journeyman Central. With that being said, we'll wrap up episode 13 here. Thank you to everyone who has hung out with us. Thank you to everyone listening. 
Again, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, share it out on Twitter, put it out into the universe. If the platform that you're listening on allows you to leave a rating and review, that's the best thing that you can do for us. We don't have a Patreon. We don't run ads, obviously, as you've seen. We don't we don't do this for money. We just do this because it's a whole hell of a lot of fun, and we really enjoy talking White Sox baseball. So please leave a rating and review if you can. The best thing that you can do for us is spread the word, and let's have a great week. Let's come out and let's play a couple of good teams, and let's have a pretty good series.